Volume One, Chapter Thirteen of the Widow Barnaby by Francis Milton Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirteen, Mrs. Barnaby sets forth on her travels. The reader takes leave of Miss Compton. Mrs. Barnaby enjoys her journey and arrives safely at Exeter. Within a week after this unfortunate interview, all Mrs. Barnaby's earthly possessions, excepting her money, were deposited in the wagon that travelled between Silverton and Exeter, and the day afterwards herself, her niece, and her maid, whom she had surnamed Jerningham, the two former in the coach and the latter on the top of it, set forth on their way to that fair and ancient city of the West. Before we follow them thither, we must stop for a moment to bid a long adieu to poor Miss Compton unfortunately for her temper as well as her limbs farmer wright did not overtake her till within a few yards of their home and the agitation and fatigue both equally unusual to her so completely overpowered her strength and spirits that having taken to her bed as soon as she reached her room she remained in it for above a fortnight being really feverish and unwell but believing herself very much worse than she really was during the whole of this time and indeed for several months afterwards she never attempted to separate the innocent image of agnes from the offensive one of mrs barnaby the caress which the poor girl had offered with such true tenderness and sympathy was the only distinct idea respecting her that remained on the mind of miss compton and this suggested no feeling but that of indignation from the conviction that mrs barnaby's dear love not a whit less detestable was only more artful than herself or that not yet being in possession of the wealth of which her hateful protectress boasted she deemed it prudent to aim at obtaining whatever she herself might have to bestow notwithstanding all these disagreeable imaginings however the old lady gradually recovered both her health and her usual tranquil equality of spirits sometimes even persuading herself that she was very glad she had not been seduced by the appearance of agnes to sacrifice her own comfort for the advantage of an artful girl who was after all quite as much the granddaughter of a wiset as of a compton never during the prosperous years that mrs barnaby had been the mistress of her comfortable house at silverton excepting perhaps for the delightful interval while she was treated throughout the town as a bride did she feel half so grand or so happy a personage as now that she had no house at all there was an elegance and freedom which she never felt conscious of before in thus setting off upon her travels with what she believed to be an ample purse of which she was the uncontrolled mistress a beautiful niece to chaperone and a lady's maid to wait upon her and had agnes who sat opposite to her been less earnestly occupied in recalling all the circumstances of her last strange interview with her aunt compton she must have observed and been greatly puzzled by the series of perhaps involuntary grimaces which accompanied mrs barnaby's mental review of her own situation a rich and handsome widow could fate have possibly placed her in any situation she should have liked so well this was the question she silently asked herself and cordially did her heart answer no as these thoughts worked in her mind her dark well-marked eyebrows raised themselves her eyes flashed and her lips curled into a triumphant smile the person who occupied the transverse corner to herself was a handsome young man who had joined the silverton coach from the mansion of a gentleman in the neighbourhood to which however he was himself quite a stranger and having in vain tried to get sight of the features concealed by the long crape veil beside him he took to watching those no way concealed by the short crape veil opposite mother and daughter of course thought he a young specimen without rouge or moustache would not be amiss mrs barnaby perceived he was looking at her and settled her features into dignified but not austere harmony 
it is very pleasant travelling this morning ma'am said the young man as pleasant as a stage-coach can be i imagine but i am so little accustomed to the sort of thing that i am not a very good judge do you know sir where the coach stops for dinner i cannot say i do i never travelled this road before then you are not a resident in the neighbourhood no ma'am quite a bird of passage it is the first time i have ever been to devonshire it seems to me a beautiful country indeed very mrs barnaby heartily hoped that no comparisons would follow as it was not at all her intention to confess either on the present or any future occasion that she had never seen any other and she therefore rather abruptly changed the conversation by adding do you know sir whether there are many outside passengers i hope my maid will not be annoyed in any way it is the first time i ever put outside a coach poor woman thought the young man lost her husband and her money with him i suppose i must contrive to look at this tall slender girl though but agnes seemed little disposed to give him any opportunity of doing so for she continued to keep her eyes fixed on the scene without thus very nearly turning her back on her curious neighbour mrs barnaby's first act of active chaperonship was a very obliging one she perceived the young man's object and not having the slightest inclination to conceal the beauty of agnes which she held to be one of the many advantages with which she was herself surrounded she said my dear agnes do look at that pretty cottage it is a perfect picture of rural felicity agnes obeyed the words and followed with her eyes the finger that pointed through the opposite window thus indulging her neighbour with a full view of her exquisite profile the effect was by no means what mrs barnaby expected the young man looked and instead of being led by what he saw into talkative civility he became very respectfully silent but respectful silence was not an offering to which mrs barnaby in the most brilliant season of her beauty had ever been accustomed it puzzled her till a thought struck her which is worth recording because it very greatly influenced her conduct and feelings for a long time afterwards this gentleman whose attentions for the journey she greatly wished to conciliate had addressed her in the easy style by which fast young men are apt to believe they can propitiate the favour of every woman somewhat under fifty years of age and somewhat too beneath themselves in condition our traveller had no fear of blundering when he settled that mrs barnaby belonged to this class but the instant he caught a glimpse of the countenance of agnes he became equally sure that she at least belonged to a higher one it was not wonderful that poor miss compton doubted when she looked at her the possibility of her being a descendant of the buxom martha wisett for excepting something in the form and soft lustre of her dark brown eyes her features bore no resemblance to her mother or her mother's family but a most decided one to that of her father who though a very foolish hot-headed lieutenant when we made his acquaintance was descended from a race of aristocratic ancestors rather remarkable for their noble and regular cast of features which appeared indeed to be their least alienable birthright the traveller though a young man had lived sufficiently in the world to have learned at least the alphabet of character as written on the countenances of those he met and he spelt gentlewoman so plainly on that of agnes that he felt no more right to address her without introduction than he would have done had the stage-coach been an opera-box that's very odd thought mrs barnaby she certainly is a most beautiful creature quite as handsome as i was even in poor dear tate's days and yet the moment he got a sight of her his pleasant gay manner changed all at once and he now looks as glum as a boy at school though she is my niece she is not like me that's certain and who knows but that many men may still prefer my style to hers as to this one at least 
it is impossible to doubt it and it will be a great folly in me to set out with a fancy that my face and figure especially when i get back to dress again will not stand a comparison with hers for some years at any rate in justice to myself i will keep this in mind and not take it for granted that every glance directed towards us is for the child and not for the woman this agreeable idea seemed all that was wanting to make the journey perfectly delicious and not even the continued reserve of the young man could affect in any great degree the charming harmony of her spirits we hear much of the beautiful freshness of hope in young hearts just about to make their first trial of the joys of life but it is quite a mistake to suppose that any such feeling can equal the fearless confident triumphant mastery and command of future enjoyment which dilates the heart in the case of such an outcoming widow as mrs barnaby the silverton coach set its passengers down at street's hotel in the churchyard and my heroine who now for the first time in her life found herself at an inn with the power of ordering what she chose determined to enjoy the twofold gratification of passing for a lady of great fashion and fortune and of taking especial care of her creature comforts into the bargain do you want rooms ma'am said the head of a waiter suddenly placing itself among the insides yes young man i want the best rooms in the house where is my maid let her be ready to attend me as soon as i get out we have nothing with us but three trunks one square box one hat-box two carpet-bags and my dressing-case let everything be conveyed to my apartments now open the door and let me get out follow me agnes you will come if you please without delay young man to receive my orders respecting refreshments two lighted candles were snatched up as they passed the bar and mrs barnaby proceeded up the stairs in state the waiter and his candles before agnes and my maid behind this room is extremely dark and disagreeable pray send the master of the house to me i wish to give my orders to him my master is not at home ma'am not at home extremely negligent i must say perhaps it will be better for me to proceed to some other hotel where i may be able to see the head of the establishment i have not been accustomed to be treated with anything like neglect people of my condition indeed seldom are if you will be pleased my lady to give your orders to me said the waiter very respectfully you shall find nothing wanting that belongs to a first-rate house then pray send my maid to me oh there you are jerningham yes ma'am answered the gawky soubrette tucking back the veil with which mrs barnaby had adorned one of her own bonnets and staring at the draperied windows and all the other fine things which met her eyes you will see jerningham that my sleeping apartment is endurable now betty jacks though careless and idle was by no means a stupid girl but she was but fifteen years old and her experiences not having hitherto been upon a very extended scale she found herself at a loss to understand what her new mistress meant about nine times out of every ten that she spoke to her on receiving the order above mentioned she meditated for an instant upon what an endurable sleeping apartment might be but the sagacity which failed to discover this sufficed to suggest the advantage of not confessing her ignorance and she answered boldly yes sure ma'am go then said the lady languidly throwing her person upon a sofa and then turning to the waiter who still remained with the door in his hand she pronounced with impressive emphasis let there be tea sugar and cream brought with buttered toast and muffins also if it be possible agnes my love i am afraid there is hardly room for you on the sofa but sit down dear and try to make yourself comfortable on a chair 
the two ladies were now left to themselves betty jacks joyfully accompanying the smart young waiter to the regions below and who may be your missus my dear he said giving her an encouraging chuck under the chin she can't have much to do i'm thinking with any of the county families for they bean't much given to stage-coaches and never without their own gentlemen to guard em is she a real grand lady or only a strutting make-believe betty thinking it much more for her own credit to serve a real grand lady than a make-believe readily answered to be sure she is a real grand lady mr impertance we comes up along from silverton and she's one of the finest ladies in the town in the town repeated the knowing waiter significantly i understand well she shall have some tea and now my girl you had better go and do what she bid you well now if i have downright forgot already said the unblushing betty will you tell me what it was then how old are you my dear was the unsatisfactory reply and pray what's that to you but come now do tell me will you what was it missus told me to do to go see after her bed my dear and all that and unpack her nightcap i suppose well then give me a candle that's a good man but where is her bed though you beant quite hatched yet my gay maple but you'll do well enough some of these days here susan show this young waiting-maid a bedroom for two ladies and one for yourself too i suppose my dear i shouldn't wonder susan if it was possible the grand lady upstairs may pay less than a duchess but take my word for it she'll blow you sky-high if you don't serve her as if you thought she was one how did she come snappishly inquired the chambermaid by the royal regulator answered the waiter but inside susan inside you know and with her lady's maid here to wait upon her so mind what you're about i tell you come this way young woman if you please said the experienced official who was not to be bullied out of a first-floor room by the report of duchess-like airs or the sight of a lanky child for a waiting-maid so betty was made to mount to a proper stage-coach elevation mrs barnaby however got her tea and her toast and her muffins greatly to her satisfaction even though the master of the establishment knew nothing about it and though she did make agnes's slender arm pay for the second flight of stairs in order to prove how very little use she was to such fatigue she was on the whole well pleased with her room when she reached it well pleased with her bed well pleased with her breakfast and ready to set off as soon as it was over to look out for lodgings and adventures End of chapter 13